0: All right, you can do it, little machine. There we go. Is everyone doing okay this morning? I'm so excited to be here with you. I'm so excited to share the word with you today. Today, we're going to be wrapping up um, the current sermon series that we've been in pyramids and people and we've been um, walking along the narrative that is found in the book of Exodus where God delivers his people from slavery and so at one time the people of Israel they were forced into slavery to serve pharaohs to serve his ambition and all he wanted was pyramids but what God wanted was his people So I don't know if you know it yet. If you keep waiting for the preaching to start, the preaching just started with that statement that I just made. God is not interested in pyramids. He's not interested in the things that man can build. Those things matter, but they're not most important. What God wants most is his people, and he wants to be in the midst of his people. And it's important that we have that in mind because the text that we're going to read today brings into sharp, crystal clear clarity how much God wants to be with his people and what does it mean for us to be a people that we know God and we walk with God and we serve God because I come to remind somebody today that it doesn't matter how glorious a life you think you can build on your own if you don't have God in the middle of it you have very little You have very little if you don't have God with you. And so if you don't mind, I'd like to start reading today from Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32, it's a familiar passage to some of us. In fact, I was intimidated by this story as I studied it in this way that this story has been taught. I grew up hearing this story taught. And I believe that God put this story in his scripture on purpose. He didn't omit this piece of the story. But I was intimidated because in so many times in years past when I heard this preach, I left feeling condemned. But a wise man who pastored this church for many years taught me that Jesus never leaves anyone feeling condemned. And so as I started to read this story through the Father's heart and through the eyes of a redemptive Savior, I became so moved by His heart for us. So if you will, let's read together in Exodus 32, the story of the golden calf. It's important that as we read, that we understand that as I pick up reading the story here, Moses has been on the mountain with God. The people are in the valley and he has been up there with Joshua. Moses and Joshua have been on the mountain together for some time. And God has been giving Moses explicit instructions on how to construct the tabernacle. That's a really old ancient word that means a gathering place and a meeting place. It was a place where heaven and earth were going to meet. And humans could go into that tabernacle and interact and have a relationship with God. It was an Old Testament prototype Some people call it a shadow of what was to come in the New Testament, the day in which we live. And so Moses has been getting this amazing download from heaven. And right in the middle of Moses being in God's presence, getting these amazing instructions to build something that has never been built before, a sacred holy place where people can interact with God and then this happens now when the people saw that Moses delayed in coming down from the mountain the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him come make us gods that shall go before us For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. And Aaron said to them, uh, he didn't take much convincing apparently. And And Aaron said to them, break off the gold earrings, which are in the ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. So all of the people broke off the golden earrings, which were in their ears. They brought them to Aaron and Aaron received the gold from their hands and catch this he fashioned it and with an engraving tool and he made a molded calf then they said this is your God O Israel that brought you out of the land of Egypt (coughs) Luther I got a scratchy throat this morning so you're going to have to work with me a little bit I will do my best to not cough without giving you warning. So when Aaron saw this golden calf, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Then they rose early on the next day. They offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Oh, my. And so, let's just pause there for a moment. Moses has been on the mountain with the Lord. And in the midst of God giving Moses this blueprint so that he can dwell with and be with his people, the people grow impatient. And they form a golden calf and they want to give that little golden calf that they made credit for breaking the back of Egypt and setting them free. And then to put a nice little bow on it, they said, let's all get together and eat and let's play some games and have fun. It'll be fun to worship this God that we made. That's good preaching right there, mama. You know already that is good preaching. So I'm going to paraphrase the next piece of the story for you for the sake of time. Hang with me just one more moment, Sarah. God speaks to Moses and Moses, or God interrupts this conversation that he's having with Moses. And God says, Moses, those people that you brought out from Egypt are down there messing this thing up. You better quit and get down there quick. And God, understandably so, he's stirred. His justice is stirred. His lover's heart that he has for his people has been scorned. And so he feels the pain of rejection. And God says, Moses, I'm going to go down there and wipe them out. I know you, Moses. I like you. I'll start over with you. And there better be some people... Of Israel that are grateful for Moses because Moses said, No, God, you can't do that. God, you can't kill them all and start over with me because if you do that, people will say, You brought them out of Egypt just to kill them. People will talk bad about you, God, if you kill them, you can't do that. I wonder, is there anybody, any saints in the room that you've ever found yourself in your prayer closet praying and calling out somebody's name saying, God, don't be done with them yet. God, don't give up on them yet. If you let them go now, if you let them die now, if you let them stay addicted now, if you let them get them divorced now, God, if you let it happen, people say you couldn't do it. I know that I'm talking to some praying grandmas and some praying mamas in this room that you know what I'm talking about. You understand the burden that Moses felt if somebody doesn't call out their name I wonder what will happen so Moses pleaded with the Lord to save the people I'm going to jump ahead to verse 15 Moses turned and went down the mountain he had the two tablets of the or that had the ten commandments in his hand and on the tablets there was writing on both sides on one, excuse me On the one side and on the other, they were written. Now the tablets were the work of God. That is so critical. Okay? The tablets were the work of God. And the writing was of God. And it was engraved on the tablet. So I just come to let somebody know, Dave, that what happened in the Old Testament matters. Moses didn't invent Ten Commandments. God wrote them commandments. And them little tablets matter because God wrote them. And verse 17 says, And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, It's a noise of war in the camp. They're at war. We're up here on the mountain, and they're fighting a battle down there. But Moses said, It is not the noise of the shout of victory, nor the noise or the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing that I hear. Let's pray. Lord, we open our hearts to you today and to your word. Lord, we give you permission to speak to us. Lord, we embrace your truth that you have for us. Not man's wisdom, not the truth of the world, but God's truth. And so Holy Spirit, we ask that you take this word and you cause it to be alive on the inside of us. Holy Spirit, I ask humbly that you use me to speak and to teach your word. Help me to do it accurately and clearly. And Lord, we promise you all the glory. And our trust, Lord, is in you and in your word. That it will do what it has always done. And that it will change the hearts of men and women. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen and amen. Thank you, Sarah. And so as we begin this story today, we're faced with this deep and atrocious betrayal that the people of Israel have worked against God, their Savior. And so I want to remind you all that in just a couple chapters previous, there's this setting where God has delivered the people. He's got them across the Red Sea. He helps them to win their first battle against human enemies. And then God comes to his people and says, I have chosen you and I have loved you. I have saved you from that wicked Pharaoh and I have drawn you to myself. And I want you to be a special people. I want you to be a nation of kings and priests. I want you to show the rest of the world what it looks like to live and to love me. And the people said, yes, Lord, we will do it. We'll follow you. We'll serve you. We'll be the people that you're asking us to be because we see that only you deliver us. Lord, we see that you have loved us. And in hardly no time at all, the people's hearts have turned and they've betrayed God. They've made for themselves their own gods. And so I want to remind people today that God's plans are his preferred outcomes. But if he wants his will to be done in this world, he needs someone to partner with him, to work with him. And so here's what that means for me and you. It's one thing for God to choose you. It's another thing entirely for you to choose him. There's people that you're listening to me today. There's people who are listening to me today that God has chosen you, but you have been limbo, limboing, if that's a word. You've been in limbo, stuck between am I going to live how I want to live or am I going to live how God is asking me to live? There's some people we don't have the breakthrough that we're looking for. We're not enjoying the peace, the health, the success that we could be enjoying because you want God's promises, but you want it your way. And I come to tell somebody today that God is not harsh, mean, or cruel. But the nature of being righteous and holy is that there is no mixture. There is no 50-50. When you come to serve Jesus, baby, it's an all-or-nothing kind of deal. The preacher Billy Graham said it this way that the power of believing in God is so significant that you can't believe just 20%. You can't believe just 30, 50, 80%. When you say you believe in the power of the cross of Jesus Christ, that means that you believe with everything that you have because it's a price that was paid that determines the response that is given. And our master poured out his last drop of blood. in a bill that he didn't owe to say to us now and forever, I have picked you and chosen you all the nations of the earth. You, we, you are, we are the sheep of his pasture. And so he has picked us, he has chosen us, but it is something else for us to look back at him and say, Lord, I choose you. And so I love you enough today that I'm willing to risk offending you to confront you with this truth and this reality that you can't have God on your terms you can't have God your way And it doesn't matter how much money you give. It doesn't matter how nice you are when you speak to people. The scripture says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The scripture also says that our righteousness is as filthy rags compared to the righteousness of our master. And so here's what you need to know today is that you can and you should be sold out for him 100% in with Jesus. Because isn't that the nature of a covenant? There's no one who is married in this room that when you went to that marriage altar and when you spoke the words, whether you were down at the courthouse, whether you were in the church house or the little chapel in Vegas, there is nobody that when you said for richer or poorer or for better or worse, when you said those words, you weren't signing up to 30% commitment from your partner. You aren't signing up for 50% commitment. You are signing up for a 100% commitment that everything I have or will ever have belongs to you. That is good preaching right there. The scripture calls us, the bride of Christ, and he is our bridegroom. He is our husbandman. That means that even when all the world betrays us and when they point their finger at the church and they criticize and they ridicule, it means this, that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And don't you know I need to remind somebody today that even when you feel alone, Jesus' commitment to you is that he will be with you. Even in the midnight hour, he will cause you your mourning to be turned into joy because he's committed to you when things are good and he's committed to you when things are bad. And here we find this problem of idolatry. And we tend to let ourselves off the hook and we tend to think that if I don't have a shrine somewhere in my house... With some foreign pagan symbol on it, then I'm not participating in idolatry And if you believe that my friend then you have taken the bait into deception Because the scripture says this in exodus 23 33 God says you can't have any other gods beside me or with me You can't worship like the other nations because it will be like a snare to you Now I grew up in the country and I know what a snare is and I recognize some of you may not But a snare today is a metal cable that's very, very strong. And you hide it in the dirt and you put some bait. So when the animal comes to get the bait, they put their foot in that snare. They don't know that they've put their foot in it. But then when they try to move away from the bait, what happens? The snare goes around their foot and they can't get free. Here's the danger in idolatry, dear friends. You put your foot in the trap and you don't know it. But then when you try to turn away and go back to God, you... you, uh, I'm I'm stuck because my foot is stuck in the trap. I come today to get some people free from the snare of idolatry. Now then, what is idolatry? Okay, pay very close attention. Whether you're here in the sanctuary, whether you're watching me online, you really need to catch this next thing out of my mouth. Idolatry is not some object idolatry is an idea that lives in you and what we call the idol is just the manifestation of the idea what's the idea it's an idea in you and you say this this is how it should look This is how God should look. This is how God should sound. This is how God's people should look. This is how God's people should sound. It's okay for me to worship this way. It's okay for me to worship that way. It's okay for me to pray this way, that way. It's okay for me to do things however I want to do it so that I can stay comfortable because really all we want to do is eat, drink, and play didn't get no help over here y'all were doing so good and during transition let me come back over here and try now i love you enough to risk offending you because the scripture says that aaron fashioned the idol out of the possessions of the people and so you know that idolatry is at work in your life when you start forming and fashioning your life in a manner in which you see fit I love America, and I certainly don't want to live anywhere else, but I can say this, that the American dream and the promise of the pursuit of happiness in this country, that's not necessarily the kingdom of God because your happiness and God's righteousness don't always match up. There's a lot of people that are struggling and suffering in the world today, but I can tell you this, they are righteous because God's promise and God's kingdom is not that I can have two houses and three boats and one Mercedes. God's promise to us is that you will be ridiculed. You will be persecuted, but even when you are, I will still be with you. I come to let somebody know today that the essence of eternal life is knowing God. And if you have built your life on any other idea, if you live your life according to any other measuring stick than this, that what it means to be a successful human, what it means to be a successful Christian is to know God, to walk with God, to host God's presence, to chase after God. If your measuring stick is something other than that, if your measuring stick is to be rich, if your measuring stick is is to be famous alone, then catch this you have missed the mark, and there is an idol at work somewhere. Because I know some people they follow Jesus because they think He'll make them wealthy. I know some people because they think if I follow Jesus, then God will change my spouse. I can't even preach over there today. All the married folk must be over there. I mean, maybe some single folk over here. We believe if I just serve God long enough, if I just give enough, if I just pray enough, maybe I can get God to do what I want. When in fact, the purpose of our giving, the purpose of our praise, the purpose of our prayer is not to get God to do what we want, it's to get us into what God is doing. The true heart of worship is not, God, come and take my problems away. The true heart of worship is to come to the altar and say, God, here's my problems. I choose you over the problem. The scripture says, though he slay me, yet still will I trust him. Sometimes God ain't into fixing all your problems and taking all your pain away. I come, I'm come. i so off script right here, but I come to remind somebody today that your obstacles, your rejection, your problems, the things that you're carrying, sometimes God don't take that away because that's the vehicle. That's the mechanism. That's the opportunity for God to show you what real grace feels like. Come on, Gary Grace. There's some opportunity for some people right here this morning that you're saying, I'm struggling. I'm suffering. I don't understand why this is happening to me. And God's looking at you saying, if there was never a problem, you would never get to know what it means for me to flex my muscle in your life. Some of you, if you've never been desperate, you don't know what it means to depend on God. Oh, I'm preaching so good. I can feel it. I'm butting up against some idols this morning. Some people, if you've never been without a job, you don't know what it means. Yeah. To go home and just say, all I got is a word from God. I'm going to vacuum my floors and I'm going to love my wife. You know what? You thought, why am I struggling this way? Why did I get fired the way that I got fired when I shouldn't have been fired? God's doing something in you to show you your hope doesn't lie in the world. Our hope lies in him. All right, three quick points. How do I know if idolatry is at work in my life? The scripture says in verse one of chapter 32 that when Moses delayed, that's when the people started saying, okay, we need an idol, when he delayed. So I wanna focus on that word delayed. And it means this, the people didn't have patience for God's process. The people didn't have patience for God's process. I heard a wise man once say that potential can't be realized until process is embraced. Some of you are wondering, why won't God do anything with me? Why won't he do anything in my life? How come I seem to go so far and then everything falls apart? Because you're not embracing God's process for your life. I come to remind somebody, don't you give up on your process now. Don't give up when it's dark. Don't give up when it's hard. Because God is at work in the midst of the process. The people were sitting down in the valley. They're bored and they're wondering, why won't God come down? We just want to party, man. Let's just have a good old time. But meanwhile, God was downloading perfect instructions so that he could dwell with them. They were using a bad measuring stick about what it looked like and what it means to be God's people. So my encouragement to everyone here today is stay patient, stay committed to the process because God doesn't manufacture things. He grows them ford can build a car in like 30 minutes on the assembly line but it takes years and years and years for an oak tree to grow i don't want to be insensitive here but if you slam a ford f-250 into an oak tree into a proper healthy oak tree at 85 miles an hour guess who's gonna win i come to remind somebody grown things will always outlast manufactured things That's good preaching right there. I might run all by myself. And you're saying, God, how come everybody's judging me and things don't seem to be going good? Maybe just pivot a little bit. There's somebody you've been, you're listening to me and you're saying this, you're saying, I want to give up. I don't understand. Why is this so hard? I know that God is calling me to something more. I know there's a place for me and it feels like it's right at the tip of my fingers. And every time I feel like it's mine, it slips away from me. Why is, why does my life happened this way? I come to tell somebody today that if he said it, he will do it. If you're not living in your promised land yet, it's not because the promise ain't ready. It's because your purpose ain't fully formed. I need to let somebody know today, don't give up on the process because he's molding you. He's forming you and he's growing you so that when he gives you his promise, you won't kill it but you can pass it on to those who come behind you yeah, that is such good preaching I wish somebody tweet that just tweet the country boy right there and so the purity of our processing is measured in proximity you know that God is processing you sometimes it hurts so bad but God's still close Is there anybody in here that you know from experience at different times in your life when times seem dark? You say, I hate this so much. I hate this so much. David said, if I could sprout wings like a dove, I would fly into the desert and leave all you crazy jokers behind. You ever felt that way? But here's what happens. It's in those dark times when you say, oh God, I need you. He is so close and he's right there. He is closer than a brother. That's how you know that the pure of your process is proper. Here's the second thing of how we know, the second point for how we know that we're laboring under idolatry. And it says this, they went to Aaron and they said, make us gods. Now they were saying, don't make us a god. They were saying, make for us a god. And so here's the danger when humans start making gods. Any God we make, we control. Who? strong medicine right there. Any God that we make, we control. Well, let me remind you that whoever's in control is ultimately the God. Here's why it's dangerous for you to be your own God. is because whoever's God has to carry the weight of the universe that you, ro- that you rule over. That's why it says whatever judgment that you use, that will be applied back to you. That's what it means to be God. And God says, I can be just because I'll stand up to the scrutiny of my justice. Ain't God but just one little helper right there. That is such good preaching. And so here's the problem with you being in control is that you have to pay the bill for the outcome of your universe. And so you can't be God and then be upset when your marriage falls apart and start pointing your finger at your partner saying, well, they didn't do right. No, baby daddy, you was the one that you wanted to be God and you wanted to lay down the law and you wouldn't listen and you wouldn't be compassionate because you thought you were right. That is some good preaching right there. You can't be mad when you're God and you're stingy 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 and everything you got goes into a savings account and you won't ever do nothing and then the day comes around i'm broke well you were god of your finances and you thought i know what's best and that money's not like a river that flows it's a resource to be hoarded and so you can't put your finger at god and say god why ain't you blessing me yeah. it ain't god's fault you broke When you're God and you don't want to submit to anybody, you don't want to be rebellious, you don't want to understand what it means to be under authority, you just want to be in authority, and then you say, why won't nobody promote me? Why won't nobody recognize me? Because you ain't letting nobody process you, and God's not going to give his authority to you if you're not saying, Lord, I'm submitted to you and to your will and to the people that you've put in my life. That is rock and roll good preaching right there. Please hear my heart. I don't desire to shine a spotlight on you, but I love you enough that I will risk you going home wanting to carve my name in your voodoo doll. But it's so that you can be free and you can be the man and the woman that God has called you to be. Lord, give me wisdom. Do you know what else we can't do? We can't make our own church. We can't make church in our image. We can't make a church that we control. We can't make a church that's comfortable for us because church, because congregation is holy and it's sacred. Unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain that build it. I love everybody that's listening to me today, but the Lord told me to say it and so I'm gonna say it. This church is in Oklahoma City on the northwest corner. He has made us and he has called us to be who he's asking us to be. But I'm gonna tell you what, he didn't make us. He didn't make us somebody else. You will constantly be disappointed with your church and with its leadership. If you go to the internet four times a day and watch some other church 10,000 miles away saying I really like what's going on in Charlotte, I wish we could do a little bit of that in Oklahoma City. I need some church people to hear me that we don't get a vote in what our church looks like. We go to God's altar with humility and we say this, God, use me. God, send me. It says in Isaiah 6, who will will go for us is what God says in Isaiah. said, here am I, Lord, send me. The scripture says that the the, the tri-member Godhead was looking around saying, someone's gonna have to go deal with the sin down in the world. Who's gonna go? And Jesus, the son, raised his hand and said, Father, Father, I will go and do what you want done for those people in the earth. I wonder, is there anybody in Oklahoma City that your heart is full of faith saying, I'm not trying to build what's in California, New York, Australia, Dallas, Texas. I'm not trying to build what's in Charlotte, Michigan, or Ohio. I want what God wants in Oklahoma City. Others' success is not our measuring stick. God's presence is our measuring stick. And I say that to us as a congregation because it's important we remember this, that if you don't know who you are, you'll always be chasing somebody else's identity. And so you need to hear it come out of my mouth first. This is a set-apart, holy congregation. We may be few now, but I know that there are many. There's oil in the house and outside the house. There's a harvest inside the house and outside the house. And so what you see now is not what you will always see. And so I know this. God has put this church on this corner of the city. And as far as I'm concerned, this congregation is the Alamo. And we'll go down to the last man believing that God can do something In our part of the city that is unique because he didn't make us those guys or that guy. He has made us the gate church. Thank you, Lord. Last and final point, if Sarah will come, I don't need all my band and singers to come. I want just Sarah to come. So Sarah, if you'll come play for me. And then if my ushers will get ready to help us distribute communion. Here's the third and final indicator that the people were struggling with idolatry. It's very obvious in their language. This also comes from verse 1 in chapter 32. This is what they said a couple of things. Moses is delayed, and we don't know what's happened to him. And then they also say this He's just that guy that brought us out. He's just a guy. He's just a guy. Yeah, he's just a guy. He's just a guy with a stick. He's just a guy that had been to a burning bush. He's just a guy that God saved from murder. He's just a guy that stood on the edge of the Red Sea and he jabbed that stick down into the water and the Red Sea parted. He's just the guy that up until this point in the story, God has used him to help guide us and shepherd us. Yeah, he's just a guy. And so here's an indicator of how you know that you're laboring under idolatry. You start to distance yourself from the people that God's put in your life. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Because here's what happens in church. We think church is good when we're comfortable. And we think we're in love when we're laughing. So we want church to feel like a perpetual honeymoon. Is there anybody married in the room that you didn't find out how much you loved your wife when she was laughing? You found out how much you loved her when you're crying together. Some people need to know that your covenant is not tested when you're laughing. And when the paychecks are hitting on time, your covenant is tested when you're holding each other, crying, saying, Baby, I don't know what we're going to do. I figured I'd be getting just a little more testifying from God's people right there. Because here's the thing with church. God plants us in a church. You don't pick a church. That is good preaching right there, mama. Sometimes the reason we don't reap the reward from church that we really want is because we're still walking around like we picked it instead of understanding that God planted us. But here's the conditions of being planted is that you don't get to pick the plant that's planted beside you. I come to preach today. And so sometimes we like to to pick what the people look like who sit beside me. We We like to pick what neighborhood that they're from. We like to pick what kind of degrees they got. We like to pick, 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 pick the people that are in our lives. But see, God is looking at his church saying, no, you don't pick them. I plant them. Anybody who's ever raised a garden knows you can plant a few tomatoes together. But at some point, we need to get some beans in there. We need to get some peppers in there because diversity in the garden is what makes it rich. A lot of people, if they had their way, they'd make God's church look like a Christmas tree farm. One Christmas tree right after another in perfect rows. Everybody looks the same, sounds the same. Everybody blows in the wind the same way. I come to tell somebody that God's church is like a jungle. Some trees are big, some are little, some are round, some are skinny, some are dark, some are light. Everything in between. But here's the beauty. You had never found God's beautiful creatures living in a Christmas tree farm. Because singularity doesn't produce life. But in a place of diversity, what do we call it? We call that an ecosystem. That's a place where lizards can live, tigers can live, jaguars can live, cockatoos can live, parrots can live, even mean old crocodiles can live in the jungle because there's diversity. I need to let somebody know you're going to have to quit distancing yourself from people that make you uncomfortable because they're the very ones that God wants to use to change your life. I like that. That felt good. That felt good. I'm so glad that we're able to discuss those things because our forefathers plowed that hard ground. I told some friends last week listen, y'all, I'm from the hills and I'm from the holler. Now, white folk will shout and we'll run and we'll clap. But when we run, we're kind of like bulldozers. There's not, no grace to it. I got a funny story. I got ran over. It's all right, y'all be fine. Just listen to this funny story right here. I got run over in church one time. When I was a little boy, and everybody's running. It was my first time running, and I felt the, I felt the Holy Spirit. And my dad looked at me and said, Do you want to run? I was like, Yeah, I want to. He said, we'll go. And that's all the permission I needed. But I had not learned yet that when you run, you gotta, you gotta get a read on the traffic. <laughs> Which way is everybody going? It's like the whirlpool in the bathtub. You can't go the wrong way. Or you're gonna suffer. Well, little 12-year-old Jordan took off running, and I went the wrong way. I was coming around the back corner, and the kid who he was actually like a defensive tackle on the football team, <laughs> he leveled little Jordan. <laughs> And I remember, like, I was like, Holy Ghost is touching me. I like stars. I'm laying on my back. (laughs) Ain't God good? And I wake up, and these mothers of the church are standing over me going, Ah! Ah! He's touching the young men, and the young man will dream dreams. And I was like, I'm dreaming about a concussion. Holy cow. We had the Holy Ghost that night, y'all. And what I was saying about that is, you know, like uh, where I'm from, we had a flavor, we had a style. But I remember when I was a teenager, we started attending a congregation in middle Georgia that um, had a really strong African-American population. And here's what I learned. The beauty of diversity is in expression. That's the cream of the crop. And so we have this great privilege as a multi-ethnic, multi-racial, multi-generational congregation is that we got saints on the seat, that they'll sing how great thou art and peel the paint off the wall because that's exactly where you were when God touched you. And then there's another generation and a different race, they'll sing "Gyra" and they'll sing it with tears running down your face. And so what I love about the gay church is that we are diverse and there is a diverse expression. There is a diverse expression in this house and that there is room for everybody because that beautiful that beautiful diversity glorifies God. I believe this, that there is nothing that unifies (laughs) mankind like Jesus. Now then, Romans 8, uh, ushers help me if no one has, if anyone's missing their communion, if someone will give me some, please. Thank you, Lewis. So we've talked a lot about idolatry. Holy cow. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to repent. But Romans 8 says, there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And so I'm gonna paraphrase Paul just a bit. What the law failed to accomplish Jesus has now accomplished and so in the old days it didn't matter how much God wrote don't have any other gods before me the people were incapable of living up to that but guess why you and I are totally blessed is because we now have within us the new life new creation spirit we share in part the same resurrection power of Christ Jesus. That same spirit now lives within us. He was without measure and we all got a peace. And we have the Holy Spirit as teacher and God to show us how to live it out in practical flesh. And so I don't know about you today, but when I think about idolatry and when I think about how I've tried to run my own life, want to humble myself before God and say God forgive me where I've tried to take your place because only he's worthy and qualified and when he looked down from heaven he knew that in my heart lived idolatry he knew it he knew I would fail him he knew I would turn aside And do you know what he did anyway? He gave his body for me to be broken. And when they chained him to the post, and when that soldier reared back with the cat of nine tails, that soldier was standing in our place, physically doing to our master what we had been doing in our heart from all along in my way I don't want to love them I don't want to be submitted I want to be God he was silent and he was broken for us can we pray before we receive you can just pray this with me if you don't know what to pray but Lord you see my heart Lord, you see my heart. Lord, where I have been guilty of idolatry, trying to form you into my image and into my control, God, I repent. God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry for holding on to control and trying to be everybody else's master. God, forgive me. God, forgive me where I've lorded over people, manipulated people, God, forgive me where I've polluted your house. I didn't mean to. I didn't understand. I didn't see it at the time what I was doing. God, I was afraid or whatever the thing was. God, but God, forgive me. Somebody today, you need to let those precious words come out of your mouth. Say, God, forgive me where I've missed it. God, I may not remember the scenario or the instance or the thing I said. I just feel the conviction in my heart. You talk out of that conviction. You say, God, forgive me. There's people watching me online today, right where you're at today. You can whisper it under your breath, but you can say, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. Now take this in your hand. And as you take it, you remember that our Master gave His body for us even when we didn't deserve it. Let's take it. And for all the times Life where we have tried to be God. Can I be transparent with you as the pastor? I think about people that I've hurt, people closest to me that I've hurt my wife and my children, my family, my church family. I've hurt those people. And in that moment, man, I'm telling you, I thought I was right as rain. I get removed and I look back and I go, man, I've left a blood trail. There's a debt that I owed. There's a price that should be paid for the wrong that I've done. You know what? And you too. The pain, the trauma, all the things I've done, the things that you've done, there's a debt. Justice demands that a price be paid. saying this morning that I'll never know. I'll never understand the cost. But my master did. And while I was still a sinner, he died for me. Is there anybody that you're grateful? You say, I didn't deserve it. I wasn't worth it. But he died for me. this juice represents that blood and us taking in his forgiveness I need to let somebody know today it doesn't matter what the blood trail is that you have left it's forgiven it's forgiven it's forgiven you don't owe the debt you don't have to always go back and fix it he has paid the price for your sin and for my sin God I'm so grateful just pray with me church God I'm so grateful that you paid my bill I'm so grateful that you paid my bill God who am I that you were mindful of me God who am I that you became like a lamb led to slaughter Lord I receive this payment Lord I receive your blood into my life with such humility and graciousness today church let's take together and drink I left the singers down down here on purpose. I want somebody to just help me today with your own lips. You can shout if you want to shout or you can be quiet if you want to be quiet, but I feel like the gate church today... We're supposed to use our own mouth today and say, God, we're grateful for your compassion and for your mercy on us. God, you've delivered us from idolatry. You're not holding us prisoner to what we've done in the past. God, you can set us free, even what we're brought in the building with us today. Come on, there's somebody you need to say, I'm free today. I'm free of the ideas that I've been carrying around. I can be free of that. I'm so glad today that I am forgiven. Come on, help me just right here. God, you're worthy. God, you're worthy of all praise and adoration. God, you're worthy of all praise and adoration. God, we say hallelujah be unto your name. Hallelujah be unto your name, oh God. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy, oh God. You're worthy, oh God. Sometimes I like to just do it all by myself, but Lord, I say for Jordan that your praise will continually be in my mouth because you're worthy. So wherever you're at, wherever you're at, you can stay seated or stay standing. Just do this right here. Just hold up your hands like this, receiving posture. I know some of you not going to like it, but it's going to be okay. Just look up. Look up to where your source is. Eyes open or eyes closed, it doesn't matter. And you just receive. Lord, I speak a blessing over your people. Lord, I speak peace in Jesus' name. Lord, we sing that we laid that old burden down at the foot of the cross. Lord, I speak peace over your people that they've laid their burden down at the foot of your cross. I speak restoration over your people that you're restoring their soul as they've labored under the burden of idolatry. I speak restoration in Jesus' name. There's people here today, if you receive that by faith, you will go home with a fresh energy, a fresh clarity, and a fresh focus to live your life because you know that rejuvenation has come that the life and the glory of the Lord is yours. I wish you could see what I see. Friends and family online, I hope you're experiencing what we're experiencing right here. I'm looking at people of every race and every age, and I see the look of contentment and peace on God's people today everywhere I look because the Master has been in their midst. we receive all that you have for us. Sometimes you just speak to your own soul and you say, I receive what he has for me. Lord, I receive everything that you have for me. This is always a good prayer to pray at times like these. Jesus, you're more than enough for me. Jesus, you're more than enough for me. There's somebody, you need to say that. Jesus, you're more than enough for me. God, I don't need a retirement package or a company car. I don't need my name on the door. Lord, you're more than enough for me. There's some of us, we're going home home to marriages and we're in pain. Some of you need to go home with a fresh energy saying, God is more than enough for me. And even when those close hurt me and betray me, God is more. Even when people have let me down, even when people didn't see me, they didn't appreciate me like they should have, God, you're still more than it. help me pray one last prayer and then we're going to go home I don't I don't mean to put you on the spot but can we just pray for you will you help me pray for Pastor Church I just feel like I'm supposed to will you help me pray carefully tread carefully remember David said I would not he said I will not lay my hand on God's anointed We deal with those in spiritual authority and leadership. We don't deal from the flesh. We deal with the spirit. And we trust God to do his work. Okay? So we're working spiritually now. Lord, we lift up Pastor Kathy to you, this mother in the faith, the mother of this house. And Lord, I speak a grace to her. In Jesus' name. The grace for this time and for this season. For the pain, the question marks, all the things that life brings. We speak grace In Jesus' name, as a congregation, as a family, we speak God's grace in Jesus' name. And Pastor Kathy, I echo what you've said out of your own spirit, that Jesus is your husbandman. Jesus is your husbandman and that He walks with you and He talks with you and He tells you that you are His own. We release that to you, Pastor Kathy, that Jesus be with you. Jesus be with you. When we speak to her body and we speak healing in Jesus' name, top to bottom, inside and out, we speak complete and total healing in Jesus' mighty name. Pastor Kathy, I'm going to say this and this alone. We're family, so we we know all. Each other's business, but the reason why I prayed, I felt the tug of my heart, and this is all that I felt is that His eye is on you and that He sees, His eye is on you, and He sees. And so, Lord, we release that to her that you see her, that you see her. Kathy, I submit what I'm about to pray next to the Holy Spirit. The scripture says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. But it also says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And so we speak over you and we pray for you, Pastor Kathy, that your hunger and your desire for righteousness will be satisfied and that your days will be marked. By the peace and by the glory that comes with righteousness. So we bless you as a mother in the faith. We call you blessed. We call you blessed today. And that Jesus is more than enough. And that the righteousness of God is in you and is with you. And that it will be a hedge of protection around you. Thank you, church, for praying with us. I felt that strongly in my heart I was supposed to do that. And I just want to be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Listen, friends, pay attention to our calendar. We have an amazing worship night that's coming. Please come. You need to be here. I'm just going to tell you there's some things you can't catch online. I don't have a judgment for you. That's just the truth. Okay, so you need to be here and you need to bring your friends. Our team and our friends that are going to be here, we've been praying together and talking together for weeks and months. And here's what we're believing. We're believing that people will be supernaturally healed on our next worship night. So you need to make sure you're here and you need to make sure that you are here next week. We're gonna launch a new sermon series called People and Promises. We love you. God be with you. Go and be blessed. Don't forget to sign up for Chili Cook-Off in the foyer.
1: Hi, today we heard a wonderful message from Pastor Jordan, how the people of God in Exodus chapter 32 uh, built a golden calf as an idol to replace Moses and God's leading them through the wilderness. You see, we all have a tendency to become impatient with the process and the plans and the purposes of God's life and then push away those people that God has placed in our lives that lead us, that shepherd us, and, and the place where we've been planted beside other people. But today, we want to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's Lord of every circumstance. He's the Lord of our lives. And we declare today that He is more than enough. And that we also submit and commit ourselves to this house, and we say we're going to love those people that we've been planted beside. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. My name is Matt Bennett, and I just want to invite you, if you want to become more planted in this house, we hold an online uh, Wednesday night service connection group, and we just want to say you're more than welcome. So click the link below and join us and and, uh, learn how you can join us on Wednesday night. God bless you and have a wonderful week.